BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And hello, movie lovers. So today, I actually have a very special guest with me, and that is my good friend, Zoe. From the look, um, go ahead, Zoe, tell them about your podcast real quick. Well, I am from the Back Look Cinema Podcast. I talk about the movies that I loved when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And generally watch movies with my son that he hadn't seen before. Although there are some that I've been able to watch without him and then some that he's seen before, but I watch them anyway because <laughs> I like the movie so much. And so uh, there are some recent movies that we watched together that uh, that he had seen before, but we still have a, a blast watching movies together. And then I talk about it on the show. I talk about it on the podcast. And uh, just have a great time talking about movies. Sometimes I have, I have guests. You was a guest one time. Yep, I was. To have you back. <laughs> hey, I would be glad and honored to be back on your show. And I no, love your show, by the way. Keep keep up the good work over on your podcast. Thanks, I appreciate that. Welcome so, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. yeah, that's uh, the short uh, the short intro to my podcast. And so, um, like, if you want to find me, just you can find it wherever. Wherever you get podcasts, I'm not exclusive. I'm everywhere. And then on uh, Twitter, it's Backlick Cinema. On where else am I at? On Facebook, it's Backlick Cinema Podcast. And that's the same thing for Instagram. Well, for further ado, we're going to be doing our Family Man review. So let's go ahead. Let's get this party started. I can't wait to talk about this. This is actually one of my favorite Nicolas Cage movies. So without further ado, let's do this. And here we are. We're back again. We're doing a Family Man review. And let me just go on ahead and talk about this real quick. So the Family Man came out in uh, the year 2000. It's now 22 years old, believe it or not. Um, it had a budget of $60 million and made $124.7 million. I did not get to see this movie at the movie theaters or anything like that. But it was actually one of my first movies that I bought when I had a DVD player. Which when the first DVD players actually came out, those big, huge, bulky ones. That's the very first uh, DVD that I actually got was the Family Man uh, DVD. Yeah, I asked for myself. I never seen or heard of this movie. It's like <laughs> when when you offered to uh, have me watch it, I was like, oh, I didn't know this movie was coming out. I didn't know Nicolas Cage was making a new movie. And then I realized uh, quite quickly that this movie came out 
more than 20 years ago. So this definitely slipped by me. But uh, in my defense, I don't really pay a lot of attention to Christmas movies that come out. I don't watch a lot of Christmas movies. So that's probably why I missed this one. Well, not only that, but I think that this film is actually very underrated because I forgot all about Nicolas Cage having a Christmas movie up until I listened to another podcast. It's like, well, if you guys want to get into the Christmas spirit, you guys need to go on and check out The Family Man. So I thought to myself, you know what? I thought this was a, would be an excellent time to do a Family Man review. So I had a little bit of inspiration behind this. And let me just say this. Um, so in any case, anybody's actually wondering what the family man is about. It's about Nicolas Cage. And basically what winds up happening is this. He's a fast paced lifestyle uh, changes overnight on one night during Christmas, not at Christmas when he stumbles into a grocery store, held up and disarms the gunman. The next morning he wakes up in bed lying next to Kate, who's played by Tia Leone. His college sweetheart. He left in order to pursue his career and to be a horror to be to the horrifying discovery that his former life no longer exists. As he stumbles through the alternate suburban universe, Jack finds himself at a crossroads where he must choose between his high power career and the woman he loves. So that's a little bit of synopsis of this film. But the way that I would actually describe it is about this man who is works for uh, Wall Street. He winds up falling in love with this woman during his college years, and then he winds up leaving her at the airport. And 13 years later goes by, and he's actually this big, huge stockbroker. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, I really love the opening where basically you see Tia Leone and you see Nicolas Cage, and she's telling, him, "Don't Jack, don't get on the plane. Why? Do you think there's something wrong with the plane? No, I just have a bad feeling." And He's like, what? Nobody ever thinks at the airport or anything like that. No one thinks clearly. So I'm going to go on ahead and do what I have to do. I'll be back. So next thing you know, 13 years goes by. He's singing opera. And I like how he, this a little bit of Nicolas Cage isms in this movie where you can actually see it. And I like how he runs to the closet a little bit where he does that like little jog when he's listening to the opera. I thought that was actually pretty funny. But what do you think of the opening? Oh, that the opening is pretty good. It I did not know what to expect since I hadn't seen it before. And then as the movie started to progress, and then he wakes up and he's not with his uh his girlfriend. And I was like, and it's like 13 years later. I was like, oh, so that like, he went immediately to, to be a douchebag. It's like he's a total <laughs> douche. I was like, oh man, so we're not meant to like this character <laughs> at all. No, this actually has like, a little bit of a Christmas carol kind of vibe to it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, later on, uh, after the, you know the initial opening, and then when it uh, when he meets the uh, when, when he has when he stops the robbery, and then the guy is offering him, we told him that something was going to happen to him, and then I realized it was uh, it was kind of it's a wonderful life slash a Christmas story. That's when I realized what was happening with this movie. Was like, oh, this is what we're this is what's happening. This is what we're going to do. And then he wakes up and uh, his, his life is totally different. Now he's a, a married man, married to the woman that he left at the airport, like you said earlier. And uh, and the movie progresses from there. And it's like, he still has all of the memories that he had of his life, of his former life. And she has all, like his whole family has memories of him being there the entire time. So now he's trying to, he's, he's basically suffering from a culture shock trying mm-hmm. to figure out this life that he has been dropped into and how to navigate it. And it, it's some, somehow trying to get back to his former life. <laughs> you know, he's, 
when right. he, wakes up, he, he immediately goes to his his job right or he, he goes home first and they don't recognize him he goes to his his work and they don't recognize him because he thinks that he can just go to his office and and make everything take everything back that he had lost but none of that works he's stuck no. in this uh this fantasy world yeah and also to don Cheadle is a matter of fact he runs into don Cheadle at this place that he finds out robbing at first yeah. don Cheadle does and so he just got done with this business meeting he wants everybody to work on christmas uh jack does and so he jack goes over to this little corner store to get some eggnog and then you see don Cheadle's character he's over there he's um, he's like, yo, look, I have this hot ticket, this hot lottery ticket. It's going to win. Look, man, busta, busta. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm here's a, here. He gets out the numbers, starts spinning up the numbers. And then next thing you know, it, the, uh, the Asian guy behind the counter is like, look, man, this is a scam. This man, I'm telling you, this is going to be hot. You need to go in ahead and give it to me, man. And so next thing you know, Nicholas Cage, look, I like how he smoothly he just walks up to the gunman like he knows that it's gonna be okay. Right. And he's right. like, he's like, look, he goes, let's make a business deal. I'm like, what kind of business deal are you gonna make with this guy? This guy doesn't look like he can be reasoned with. He's already got his lotto numbers locked down. Right. And so he goes, Look, I'll give you two hundred dollars for the ticket, and we'll call it a day. And you leave the place, and that's it. I thought to myself, well, why didn't the Asian guy just call the cops after they left and just pick Don Cheadle up? But, you know, well, I have that, a certain disbelief. Yeah, the, the Asian guy basically got what he wanted. So he he just wanted the guy to leave because apparently uh, the guy has run this scam maybe a couple of times and the, the guy is tired of it, right? Because, you know, he brings them a, a lottery ticket that he claims is is the winning lottery ticket and he wants to trade it, the ticket for $200. So that's when Nick Cage comes with the deal of giving the man $200. Then Nick would take the lottery ticket. And then Nick, because he's white and privileged, can go ahead and cash a lottery ticket without having the same trouble as the Don Tito character. So that that's how all that was set up. Right. And what did you think of Don Cheadle's, uh acting in this to me honest with you i felt that it was a little forced with this dialogue a little bit where it's like a little over the top in a sense i like i get what you're going for but in a sense of uh, the fact that you know it just seems like he was a little over the top with that one like i, I don't uh i i i know that he was doing the new york accent so i know i know that's what he was going mm-hmm. but i don't have enough experience in new york to know whether or not he was going over the top or not I mean, it seemed authentic to me, but uh, it's funny that we're calling him the John, Don Tito character because he doesn't actually have a name. He's just a, a, a character in in a movie. Uh, maybe he does, but I don't. Uh, I don't remember what his name was supposed to be. But what is interesting Cash. is that uh, Cash is his name. Oh, Cash. Okay, yeah, it probably <laughs> is Cash. But uh, it's this. His name seems symbolic or emblematic, but. Um, what I did not expect is uh, this was the trope that we kind of talk about in different community communities as the, the magical Negro trope. And I was <laughs> I was like, oh, I did not realize we're going to be going with that. And you've seen it in uh, Ghost and you've seen it in like Guinan from Star Trek and uh, in different what you call it in different films and movies. And so uh, I didn't I didn't expect that. It's not a bad thing that I, I'm saying, but I, it's just something that I noticed that in this movie. But uh, in the movie, he's very charming. 
He's charismatic. And I like the way he handles uh, Nick Cage's character. In I do too. And I like how they go out to the street. They give Nick gives his uh, gives the money over to Don Cheadle to cash, and then he's like, "Look, man, with a little bit more help, a little bit more education, you can go. You don't need to be doing this anymore." And he goes, "And he, I like how Don Cheadle just looks at him, and this is the authentic part to me that works." He goes, "Wait, you're going to talk to me? You want to save me? You're telling me you want to save me?" And I right. like how the camera angle pans out and you see a cross as if he's going to be the savior of this uh, to save him in a sense that Jack is going to save cash. Right. But really in return, cash is supposed to be the one who's supposed to be saving Nick cage. So I like how they play that narrative. And I didn't even know that up until I started wanting to review this film because you know, I, I saw this back when I was in high school. So reviewing films and stuff like that, I never even thought about reviewing. So, right. and now picking up on that, I thought that was a little bit, that was actually clever to actually put that little detail in it. Right, right. What's also interesting is that unlike movies like It's a Wonderful Life or A Christmas Carol, Jack doesn't have any problems, right? He doesn't, like, Cash asks him, what does he want? And Jack is like, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't need anything. He's like, I, I'm, I don't want anything. He's like, uh, uh, he's basically, he has all of his needs taken care of. So unlike those movies, there, there was a flaw in the character. Like, yeah, he overworks his workers, but his workers want to be there. They want to please, like they want to work for the company. It's like they're in kind of a crunch time and like everybody generally at work, everybody generally likes him as a boss. And so that's why they're willing to put in the hours. And you don't get the feeling that if they didn't want to do it, that he was going to force them to stay. Is that he's just that kind of, he has that kind of charisma. And it, it kind of got me to thinking that what's going on with uh, basically gaming and electronics, how you hear about crunch in the gaming industry or, uh, just recently, you had uh, on Twitter, the owner had put out this memo that had leaked talking about, I need everybody to be hardcore on, <laughs> on the app to make it better, right? And it's like, everybody, all these bosses have this uh, this philosophy of, of working their, you know, force, ex- their workforce extra hard, like putting in like, you know, 12 hours a day or something like that. So that's who, the feeling that I got when I saw Jack kind of interacting with his employees. But I, I don't see him as like, uh, a Scrooge character, right? I, I because I'm sure that his employees are well paid. It's just that they they want to be there because they he's basically able to infuse them with his enthusiasm. So they're as enthusiastic as he is, and they want to be there. And he's not like uh the other guy from this uh what's it called? This is a wonderful life. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this is a wonder, wonderful it's, life. Yeah, it's a wonderful life, right? So it's not like that guy where he feels like he wants to see what his life would have been like, or it, he needs to see what his life would have been like had he not uh, chose a different direction. Uh, right. Right. So it's not like he's, he, he doesn't need any of that. Jack is just carrying on, but he gets it anyway. <laughs> right. Because we actually see the fact like he's comfortable with his life. He likes his life the way it is because it works. It's what works for him. And he's got a Ferrari. He's got a girl that he can just uh, come up there. Just if he wants an escort or whatever, she's up. She just goes up to his room. And then you know, then you also have uh, these guys who are just greedy for money. That's all it is: is greed. 
when we look at when you look at this film is filled with greed. And then when he says, I got everything I need, Don Cheadle's, okay, I'm sorry I'm having to have to do this to you, but you're gonna thank me later. You're gonna get a right. glimpse of what your life would have been. And then I like how he wakes up and then he's like, Wait, what who's this woman that's on on my chest? Where where are all these kids coming from? He's like a fish out of water. And and it's just fantastic. The shell shock value of Nick Cage turning into this guy who's a bachelor, then transforming himself into a family type of guy. I thought the transformation worked. Yeah, yeah. I liked how uh, it's like, (laughs) oh, excuse me. The uh, coughing fit that I was thinking that was there. We're going to have some coughing tonight. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, that he's progress- uh, progressing with his kids. He, he has one daughter, like, he gets five years old, and an infant son. And T.L. is like, at first, nobody has any clue that this is a different person than uh, the man that they thought that they knew. And, and then, like, later on, as the story progresses, his daughter starts to sense that there's that this is not her father. This is not the man that she grew up with. And that, uh, I, I like that aspect of the story. Yeah. She calls him an alien. She goes, what, what, what's you do with my dad? What, what? And I like how she, he plays, she plays around with his facial features, you know, and she's, she pulls on his ears, his nose, his lips. Just not bad. Just better looking. Right. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's great that she goes there because this is uh, um, an update of this type of movie. So in the past, they would probably say that you're a ghost or I don't know, uh, a re- some kind of uh, re- supernatural replacement. But she immediately goes to Alien, so you know where her mind is. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, this is actually where you were talking about where, you know, Tia Leone's character wakes up. She's like, Jack, put put uh, water on for the coffee and he's just hard. He puts on his uh, New York's university uh, shirt, his sweatpants. And then he, yeah, and then all of a sudden he sees Ed, which is also Tia Lilani's dad. Right. And he's like, I need your car. Where's my Ferrari? He goes, you have a Ferrari? He goes, look, I right. just need to use your car. I need to get over to the city. Because look, you have a perfectly good, van that's parked over there here take it so next thing you know he goes over to the city and then like you mentioned uh zo he winds up saying hey he goes over first to his apartment and you know nobody recognizes him the doorman is like he winds up saying this he goes what are you doing sir you need to go back and then of course the person that this older woman that he has a flirtatious thing with just joking around doesn't even recognize him at all. And she says, I don't know who you are, but you need to go to the homeless shelter, but you're not going to be staying in the plaza. Yeah. She actually starts to say the things that he, he was saying to cash before he was uh, transported to this uh, micro universe, this pocket, this pocket universe. (laughs) That's what they, that's what they would call this in comics. (laughs) (laughs) But that is, so she she starts she actually starts giving him the same speech. Yeah, and I like how now he's actually being belittled, just like how he belittles people, and he doesn't like it so much. So then he goes on ahead. He goes back over to his office, thinking that the security guy is going to be on his side. 
He goes, look, I'm telling you, I am the president of this company. I am not going to leave. He goes, look, president, it's man. It's mints. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then, of course, you wind up seeing the uh, Don Cheadle, Cash, he's in his Ferrari. Right, right. That's when, <laughs> like, he doesn't know what's happening. And then when Cash shows up in his Ferrari, that's when Cash hit, hips him up to what's really going on. And I like how Cash give, gives him the bell because you're not sure what the bell is going to do. Right. Because it's supposed to have some type of significance behind it, if you remember. Because I thought it was to actually page him, though, myself. I thought that that's where they were going to go in that direction. I like how Nick, Nick Cage is over there holding it. Jack is holding it for his dear life. Even when he gets out of the car after Cash breaks everything down to him, he goes, look, Jack, this is a glimpse of your life of what it would have been like if you would have winded up with the woman that you love. Because well, right. I want my stuff back. Well, not until we're done with what we have to do. And right. you can get your stuff back. So he goes on ahead, drops him back over to the, where the plaza is. He, Jack goes back over to uh, Tia Leone's, uh well, back to their house and go back. Well, he winds up seeing Kate and she goes, where, and she's called the cops because she doesn't know where he's at. But right. I like how he's also afraid to go inside the house, though, too. He's like, I don't know about this. I, I, I don't know if I should go inside the house. And he sees all the toys. He sees all this other stuff outside. He's like, this is not me. Right. <laughs> he's yeah, like very this scared. Is, this all happens on Christmas morning. Like when he wakes up in the bed, it's Christmas morning. And then when he goes out to try to, I guess, verify his identity, when he goes to his old house in his old office building, He's uh, what you call it? He it's on Christmas morning. All this takes place on Christmas morning, and so he drives back to the house, and there his wife is worried because he's disappeared on Christmas morning without telling anybody what he was going to do, where he was going to go, and this is like without cell phones. So uh, <laughs> that was the uh, the other thing. This is uh, pre nine eleven. The twin towers are still there, and uh, like at the very beginning of the film of, of the film when they're both at the airport, she's at the gate. I was like, oh, I remember those days. She, she's at the <laughs> airport gate. And then uh, everybody's on their analog phones. She's trying to call them because it's like, you can't. You don't have anything like with a cell phone where you could ping somebody's cell phone and figure out where they're at or anything. So now she's just worried. And as, as far as she knows, her husband has just gone and disappeared. And then he shows back up. And it's like, okay, you're back. Now we're going to get ready to go to our friend's Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and I like how he goes, I don't want to, I'm not going. I'm not going to that Christmas party. Yes, you are. And he goes, no, I'm not. So then next thing you know it, she goes, okay, well, I'm just going to call my parents. Why are you going to do that for? Because you can stay here and watch uh, the kids because they were originally going to do it. I'm going to get ready for that. I'm going to get ready for the Christmas party. Right, right, right. Yeah, you realize quickly that he can't stay there with strange kids, <laughs> like from his perspective. <laughs> right. They're strange kids. He doesn't know anything about these kids. Like later on, they showed him he's trying to uh, change his infant's diaper. He has no idea how to change a diaper or anything like that. He's totally lost. It's not it's not something that he he's familiar with at all. And uh, his daughter catches on to that real quickly. Right. What makes her makes her even more question him even more because she already thinks that he's an alien. So now she's really suspicious of him. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like how he winds up giving his daughter, the daughter takes the bell from him and he kind of like jerks the bell back. 
Like, no, it's mine. <laughs> and, but basically that was Don Cheadle's way, Cash's way of saying, giving her a present to make an excuse up for Jack to go into the city, basically to get this bell. I'm actually surprised that Kate didn't ask her, ask him what, what's up with the bell. I'm actually surprised that they didn't even go that route. Well, it was a bicycle bell, so she right. probably didn't like think too deeply of it. As far as she's probably concerned, it was just something that she bought that that he bought their daughter for their bike. That's what the daughter <laughs> assumed. It was like, oh, I got a bike, you got a bicycle bell. I guess that's for me. It's like, what what else are you gonna think? You, you're not giving it right. to your son, right? And I think even when um, I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember uh exactly, but I think there was a when um. When Nick Cage asks uh, Don Cheadle, you know, what is this? What is this bell for? Um, Nick uh, Don Cheadle says, "Put it on the bike." I think that's what he's. I think yeah, that's he's what like, "Put it on the bike." And right, then right, right. He goes, and he's like, "Do I page you with this?" Right, he's right, right. Ringing the bell because he's like, you remember whenever all the kids are around him or something like that when he comes into the house, and he's ringing the yeah. bell, like right, red right, alert. Right, <laughs> right. he's crying. <laughs> He's trying to call cash back and he's uh he's having problems. It's like he he doesn't want to be there. He's calling cash back. And uh <laughs> and uh cash does not show up. He has to live this uh this weird life. And it's weird it, like everything is strange. It's like he he goes ahead and he uh decides to stay with the family. I guess because he he can't figure out anything to do. I mean, he could have just as easily just been homeless, right? <laughs> <laughs> But another thing, though, too, is like even whenever they go over to the Christmas party and this woman is hitting on him hard, like really, really hard. Right. And she's like, you know, I, I wore this strapless. I, I wore this just for you because I saw you were eyeing it at, my, at your kids play. I'm like, damn, girl. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, she was thirsty. That's what we call that. We call that thirsty. Yep. She was very uh, thirsty. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, he's uh getting acclimated to his friends because I like, actually when he first got back to the neighborhood, he, he doesn't want to go into his house. He goes into uh his friend Parties. finds him and right. and brings him and brings him in. And and that's because through his friends, uh well the the friends of his alternate life, that's how he gets reacquainted with his family, right? Because his friend is like explaining everything to him about his life. And then uh, he meets some more of his friends at the party and they start basically telling him about his life so he can learn more about who he's supposed to be in this alternate reality. Exactly. And I love I love Arnie. Arnie is to me is my one of my favorite characters. That's part of his friends. He's yeah. actually the voice of reason with everything, especially when he comes back into the neighborhood. Hey, look, man, come on. Come on. We'll go down to my down to the basement and everything. We'll, we'll, we'll drink a little bit. And after that, we'll send you on your way. Right, and, right, right. And I like how he said, "Man, it's just like that one time you told me." He goes, "Do not waste a good thing whenever you are, when you have it right in front of you." And so Nick is like, "I didn't. Did I say that?" <laughs> you can definitely tell that he was actually kind of puzzled if he said that or not. Right, right, right. Yeah, and then, this definitely something that happened when before he came. Right before he came to that reality, it's something that alluded to this that happened way before and that's a lot of things that happen in this movie where they all talk about stuff that happened and that he, he does it's like he has to do some detective work to figure out who he is 
<laughs> right. Because some things are just not adding up for him or at all. Like what, what happened? Did I get on the plane? Did I not get on the plane? Did I, uh, what's, what's going on within the life that they said that I have. And I like how his friends, one of his friends is having surgery and he's over there eating chicken, eating everything. And I love the chemistry between all of them. I thought that was actually, I, I thought everybody had pretty good chemistry when it came down to the friendships, because normally when you get introduced to other characters, it takes a while to build those relationships, but it was just like, as if we're right there with them experiencing it for the very first time. Right, right, right. Yeah, he was eating all that. He, he, I think he was supposed to have bypass surgery, so he decided he was going to get, eat all the junk food that he can before the surgery. I guess he figured he was going to like diet it and exercise after the surgery. It's like it's he's he's already in trouble. Might as well just go ahead and have this last hurrah. <laughs> right. And I like how Arnie says, "Why, why you're at it? Go on ahead, have another chicken wing, die on the operating table while you're at it." Right, right, so, right, right. Then after that winds up happening, then you wind up seeing, of course, you know, you wind up seeing, like I said, the, the girl winds up uh, hitting on him, and then after that happens. You wind up seeing uh, seeing him drop off these ki- the kids at the daycare center the next day. Remember? Uh, yeah. In the, uh, yeah, that that was when he had to lean on his daughter to tell <laughs> him how to drop her off at school, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was a, a charming moment. And then when it, he gives his son to the, I guess, is a preschool teacher, it's like he's handing off a... I don't know, like like a unwanted package or something. He's like his he has his son in both hands. Like his son is an infant. He has his son in both hands. His arm outstretched. He's like, please take this thing from me. Right, and he goes, "Do I get a receipt?" Right, 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 right. <laughs> he wants a receipt for handing his kids off. Which you know, when you think about it, not a bad idea. Uh, I'm surprised they're they're not doing receipts even now. That would be called human tra- trafficking in the daycare system. <laughs> I mean, they don't keep them permanently. It's like, and then when it's like a coat check, it's like when you do a coat check, they don't you don't keep the coats permanently. You just gotta you like a ticket. Because actually, when I was growing up, what they used to do is do a uh, code word. So they would give like if a parent uh, needed to pick their kids up from school, they would uh, instead of if the kid didn't go get on the school bus so if they didn't walk home then the parents were supposed to share a password with their kid and if the parent didn't know the password then the kid's not supposed to go and usually I remember uh, that. that yeah and usually they use that with a like a friend or another relative not the actual parents because usually the teachers know who the parents are but if you were saying uh if he would have sent his uncle to go and pick him up. Then the uncle would have the password so that the teachers know that this is the correct person to pick up the kid. But yeah, that, so that's sort of kind of a receipt. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then of course he winds up dropping the little girl off at her school, which is an elementary school. Cause this is where I go, go now. And he's like, well, where do I go? You go to work. Where do I work at? You go to Ed's. Cause I'm a tire salesman. And that's exactly, that's actually how he talks. Like, great. FML. Right. My right. life. He is uh, completely disappointed. And, and the other Jack that, that got this life is like, how is his other Jack? And then that was one of the things in the movie where, like I say, he's trying to figure out what his life is. Like, what, where did he go wrong in his life where he ends up as this tire salesman at this uh, 
like this family run business? Like how, how did that happen? And then when the revelation comes along, it, it's, it's, it's nice how that, that flows out, like, like how he finds out. So he finds out that uh, his father-in-law had a heart attack and he needed somebody to run a business. So as a favor, that's what Jack did came in and, and did the, he basically, he filled in the gap to run this business while the, the father dealt, dealt with his health emergency. And it's like, oh, that's that's why I ended up selling tires. Because he doesn't like being there. I don't know if his former self liked being there, but he definitely doesn't like being there. But as it turns out, he's really good at it. <laughs> I, because he can, you can definitely tell that he's good at it because you have that Wall Street kind of feel to him when he was selling uh, you know, tires to people. He's like, I'm telling you, these are really good tires. These are going to be good for, for you. And he winds up hustling this one poor little old man out of buying tires. <laughs> right, right. Remember, right. He, he got this guy. Yeah, he got this guy to buy. Uh, when you normally, when you're a tire salesman, you try to get him to buy all four tires, and that's what right. he got the guy to do. And, and it's like he just so happens to be knowledgeable with tires. So I don't know if he had that knowledge in his former life because he drives an ex- an expensive car or he has some kind of interest in automobiles, but he's knowledgeable and he already knows how to sell because he's a uh, you know, he he deals with stocks and bonds and negotiating with big business and so on and so forth. So yeah, yeah, he he actually is good at his job that he hates. Exactly. He's way too good at it. And then, you know, he winds up saying asking the one of the employees who just started working for them, Do I have an office? He goes, Yeah, you do. Where is it? And then he escorts them over to where, you know, over to his office. And he and then all of a sudden he sees this vodka, uh, this alcohol, because I bet you needed this every single day. Right, right, right. It was probably a uh, whiskey. That's what yeah. it looked like. Probably whiskey or bourbon, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, like workers drink. I, I don't drink. I don't know what people drink. <laughs> but he, he took he definitely took a swig of it. But I liked how they played that off. And then, of course, he talks to Ed. Ed goes, you know who I sat down with the other day? I sat down with this other big corporate guy. And guess what? We're going to start selling some tools. And we're going to be really good at what we're doing. Because what do you think? Because I'm going to have to get back with you, Ed. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And then finally we get over to the whole entire with the Kate relationship between Jack and Kate. I thought the chemistry between Tia Leone and him works very, very well in this film. Yeah, I like that uh Kate is able to handle Jack. I mean, she totally it's like he's losing it and he's blowing up and he's he's talking crazy and she just calms him out. And apparently in his other life, he apparently pretends to have a different life and so she's used to him talking crazy like like he has another life so she just calmly and deftly shuts him down and continues on with the business of managing the family like he's she's so non-plush with them most of the time and i haven't seen tia leone in a lot of things but she's very good in this movie she's definitely is and you see, I think I'm thinking on this end. How many of us actually question things within our own lives? And we're like, and we could probably talk, go to our spouses or whatever. Like, you know, what if it didn't work out this way? What if it, what if I had a life over here? And then the next thing you know, you start having that whole entire feel like you're actually there living that kind of life. 
and picturing yourself in this lifestyle to the point where it almost comes real. So that's what I was thinking that uh, Jack was actually going with it. And then she has to quickly take him out of that. It's like, no, Jack, you're not living that life. You live over here. Right, right. And quit this nonsense. That's what I got from that. Because right. that's because all of the, uh, life is full of decisions and crossroads. And every single, uh, with every action, there's a consequence behind those uh, actions and decision-making. And that's exactly what this movie teaches. It teaches you um, directions in life, what road to go on. Sometimes in life, you're at a crossroads where if I go on this crossroads, is this crossroads going to be good for my wife? Is this going to be just good for me? Is my wife even going to be a part of this kind of thing? So that's what I like. I like the fact it's about questioning your own motives and also too how Jack is questioning his own motives as you're questioning your own self. So that's what I like about that. Too. Right. He, uh, what you call it? He, he's got, like I said, uh, he's constantly trying to find out more about himself. Right. And it, in, in this journey, he becomes more acclimated to his family and he actually starts to like them, which is, you know, just in spite of everything, in spite of being taken away from where he was and in place. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your law makers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill in this situation he actually starts to like his family and it's interesting is that you you mentioned that him, him daydreaming that yeah we all have that daydream daydream of of having a better life but what i thought was even more interesting is that the choices were apparently his choices were because they were apparent it seems to me that there were two choices the first choice is that like the initial choice of leaving to go to London to study in London and then stay there for a year and coming back and coming back to Kate, he, he could have did that. Uh, but instead he, he makes two decisions. He goes to London and stays there. And the second decision was not going back to Kate. And I was kind of, to me, that was kind of messed up. I was like, I I see a third option. I see a third option. <laughs> he could have, he could have gone back to his, his girlfriend. Her His girlfriend was right there. She was waiting for him. And I think uh, there's something unexplained, like maybe something happened where she couldn't, where he couldn't go back to her, but it, it's not presented at that way. It, the way it's presented is that once he left, he decided not to come back, which caused a massive disappointment when I, I was massively disappointed when I, uh, when I watched this movie and I was like, oh man, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that it, it was two choices and it, I was disappointed he didn't, make the choice to stay with his wife after he came back. And then they could have had that wonderful life and, and he could have been married, but uh, exactly. No. But no, he just had to go do it the hard way, man. So, after yeah, 13 yeah. years later, he had to do it the hard way with a glimpse. Right, right, right. Um, but my wife says, hello. And this is a great movie. She also says everything he thought he didn't want is exactly what he needed. It's one of those where uh, it's almost like when you see something like a movie that you didn't know you needed or or a meal that you didn't know you, that you was going to like, like, try this. I know you're going to like it if we try it. And 
or watch this movie. I know you're gonna like it if you watch it, or you know, some something of that nature. So he was presented with something that he didn't know he was gonna like. It turns out he he totally loves it. Yeah, most definitely. I, I like as he's progressing, he's slowly building up this whole entire deal. Now he understands the system. He understands. Oh, I gotta wake up at five o'clock in the morning, and then you can see on the anniversary that he's so used to it now because now he's getting up. He's making the coffee without even without even opening his eyes. He's open, and you see the transformation happen. And I like how he slowly starts getting into the fact that he's a he's a father. So I like that progression. But let me tell you something else, I, because there's actually this scene in the mall that made me laugh. And he's trying on the suit, and he's like, he goes, "I think this suit is going to make me a better person." And he goes, I think I'm going to buy it. And then his wife looks at the price tag. It's $2,400. And I looked at my wife. I said, so would you allow me to have a, have a suit for $2,400? She goes, if you threw a fit like that, your ass would be sleeping on the couch. <laughs> right, said, right, right, right. I told her, I said, baby, forget the couch. I wouldn't even be in the van with you. I'll be still standing over there with the other guys. Probably just uh, sitting and sulking in my own self pity for what I did, and uh, at that suit store. But yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That that was not uh, that was. It didn't seem like an argument that he was going to win, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, even in the van, he questions it. He's like, "So life's crazy, right?" That's exactly how Nick Cage is. He's like, "Life's crazy, right?" He goes, what I'm just wondering, what 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 happened between my college years and now? Do you ever just wonder what it would be like if what, what would have been like if we didn't get married or anything like that? And she was like, Well, what was the biggest surprise? And she points to the kids. Oh, okay, surprise, we have a baby. And everything, right. you know what? I really like her. He goes, Good. I'm glad that we uh, you know what, maybe we'll keep her. Right, 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 right. Little right. girl, but uh, what did you think of the back and forth in the van and him questioning uh, certain things, aspects of the, of their life, and wondering, you know, what uh, did you see our life in this kind of direction? Right, right. I like that he's figuring out how to ask these questions without sounding crazy. Right, so that's why you know what. What do you think our life would be like? He's not going straight up and saying. You know, I was a investment banker in my other life. He's, he can't be that direct. <laughs> so he has to. Uh, and then, like, one of the things he finds out, he's he's like fishing for exposition. So one of the things he finds out is that his children were basically unplanned. And so that was the thing where they, they was an uh, unplanned uh, family. And that was basically what shaped his life as a family man. So this, Another- these are the things that he's learning. Exactly. And then he's like, especially whenever he gets there, the, like the second or third day, he's like, that baby is crying. And yeah, she's like, and what do you do? Do something about it. <laughs> so and then, like you said, that's whenever he starts changing the diapers. And then my other favorite Nicolas Cage moment, which is a Nicolas Cage ism, is where he's walking the dog. Because if you could take a dump in this next century, we can go home. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel him because it's like, uh, well, I, I haven't, 
I haven't owned a dog in a long time, but I, I definitely know where he's. I know where he's coming from. Me too, where because I remember those days. I remember those days in Boston and walking my my poodle, and I'm like, "Come on, it, do your little roundabout. Let's go. I want to go back to the house." Right, right. Yeah, I understand his frustration. <laughs> right, and dogs are sleep, secretly plotting not to do it because they want to stay outside. Right. So yeah, Right, right. They're not. They're not trying to go home right away. And then they'll see something. They'll pull towards it because they want to. They want to investigate instead of doing what they're supposed to do and going back in the house. But uh, yeah, yeah. That that's definitely something I can relate to. Another thing too is with Arnie uh, and and Jack again in the bowling alley because you know Nick, Jack is a bowler, and I like how he's <laughs> talk, how Nick is over there talking to the ball. Just come on, you got this. You're a big stockbroker back back in New York. You can do this. You can make a strike. Next thing you know, it he winds up knocking down like three pins and go, and celebrates the fact that he knocked over the three pins, and then he sees Helen, and Helen go and he goes, "Are you hitting on me?" Just Jack. Let's just put it this way. I don't just wear strapless dresses just for my husband. And we've been dancing around this for years. So why don't you just come over to my house? And this is where the crossroads come in at, where if you go down this direction. That's going to ruin the glimpse. That you're having right now. I don't know if it'll ruin the glimpse. It'll, I think had he chosen to go with her, the glimpse just would have lasted longer. Like he's he's sent there to learn that he's a family man. That's the lesson he's supposed to learn. So had he gone, because now he's following as far as he's concerned, because remember when they're in a conversation, right. it's like you're uh uh I think he was talking to his friend or he says it's not really cheating, right? Because he doesn't really consider himself, he hasn't accepted right because that's not his life. Married. It's right. right. He's not he hasn't fully accepted that this is his wife. Or that they're married. So he, if he goes off and does this fling, then it's totally okay. Because in his mind, he's not married to anybody anyway. It's like it, as far as he's concerned, he, he's totally in his right to have this fling with this woman that keeps hitting on him, like super hard and obvious. And then he has that conversation with his friend, and I like how instead of encouraging him, like most men would probably do, he pulls him back from away from it. He's like, you, you have any idea? There were like ten guys that would want your wife right now i was like don't ruin this great thing and i'm glad he's able to pull, pull him back from the prank like he's not constantly making bad decisions on top of bad decisions but i feel like in the hands of another director that's exactly what happens right. <laughs> it would devolve into so many bad decisions i i could definitely see that and then he goes back to his goes back over to kate and once again kate wants him like this is a, this is actually the second time that she wants him the first time she winds up, uh, she goes, hold on one second. I got something inside the bathroom. So she puts on some sexy laundry. This time, she's eating some chocolate cake. And then she winds up saying, she goes, where's that chocolate cake at? I've been wanting that piece. And she goes, oh, this chocolate cake, this cake right here, you've been wanting that? And, of course, it's also insinuating, and that's not this cake. It's basically right, 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 right. But... So next thing you know, they get into this cake fight scene and they go up the stairs and you're thinking that he's about to get it on. You just tell me what I've been wanting to hear. You've been a bad, bad girl. Right, right, a bad right. Girl. 
Because he doesn't know what he's supposed to say. I, I right. it's like that's that's what he normally says. He says, I, I'm so hot for you, right? And she's immediately turned off. It's like like who is this? Like, wh- wh- why are you saying that? Well, why why would you say those words to me? That's not what I wanted to hear. Because she wanted to hear something specific and he wasn't giving it to her. Exactly. And so she goes upstairs, and then next thing you know, he winds up looking at the birthday party. And he's singing to her. He sees all his friends. His friends are getting together and singing to and singing. And he that was makes him fall even deeper in love with her. And of course, you know, we also talked about the fact that it was the anniversary. He forgets the anniversary. And he asks his daughter, what should I do? And bribes her with uh, chocolate milk. Right. Yeah, that that was uh, it, it, it was good because it's it's funny how that turned out because they wake up in the morning. It's their anniversary. She immediately gives him his present and she can't wait to get her present. And she knows that like from her timeline, it's like, it's going to be something extravagant because he never forgets the anniversary. It's going to be big. It's going to be extravagant. And she's going to get it right away. And now he has to admit that, well, that he basically, that he forgot the anniversary. And when in real life, he never knew the anniversary. And now he has to make up for it. So he does that by taking her to a fancy restaurant. And it is is like something that he used to do because he knows the menu. He knows what it's supposed to taste like. He's talking about how much he missed it. This is like several weeks after, like since it started, because he's living his life real time in this uh, pocket universe. So it's been like, apparently this is something that he used to eat regularly. And now it's been a long time since he had this, I guess, shrimp something or other in this fancy restaurant. And he's, he's this, the anniversary present that he gets is this. This is it a sports coat? Is is a coat that is a poor it's actually man's coat. a knockoff. Well, it's actually a knockoff of the suit that he yeah. wore. Right of the suit that he wanted to buy. Right, and uh, it, it looks like a poor man's coat. So he's wearing this poor man coat, and he takes her to this fancy restaurant. Uh, they don't talk about how they pay for it. Probably with credit cards, because it seems like. And a, a man in his situation that he would probably have a couple of credit cards where he could take her out and have a nice meal. So they do that. And she's, uh, you know, it, she's able to, I think, I think they go to a hotel room. Yeah. They go that. to this huge hotel room. Right. Right. He pays for that too. And then that's when he's, he has made up for forgetting the the thing that forgetting the anniversary because like when you forget something like an anniversary or a Christmas present or a Valentine's Day you got to work hard to get that back you get that trust yeah. back that that uh that you know you got to work hard to bring things back to some kind of normal and he's able to do that with this dinner and fancy hotel room and you know what I would be exiting a lot of my credit cards just to get out of the out of uh the doghouse so I don't I can't blame him for wanting to do that. So that's even though I'll probably be in even more trouble for ex exiting my credit cards out for doing oh, yeah, that. You're, you're, you're a better man than I. I was like, oh well, I guess we're just gonna have to make up some <laughs> some other kind of way. My favorite excuse that he used. <laughs> but I'm my favorite sorry. excuse. Sorry, we're gonna have to do something else. Right, and my favorite excuse that he uses is, you know, anniversaries are good all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's, it's okay. Say, at first, he was trying to say, "No, I was gonna, I was gonna give it to you later." And she was like, "Oh, you forgot, didn't you?" <laughs> right? She knows right away. She, it's like he can't negotiate out of this. He can't. No. Like she already knows how to handle him. Like he can't. 
escape uh, his responsibilities, right? He can't escape this older life of who she thinks he is, right? He, she knows. You know, she knows what's up. She's been with him for 13 years. She knows when she's he's BSing her. Right, you know, right. You can't right. play me. You can play everybody else, but you cannot play me. Right, you know? right, right, right. But then he gets a chance to actually be a stockbroker again because the guy who actually does the stockbroking, who's actually in charge of the company, winds up his car winds up breaking down because he, yeah, he, he has a flat tire. Yeah, he was one of the people in charge, and he recognized him. Uh, Jack recognized him immediately. Yeah, and uh, he, he was like, and he's real good. He, that that was his end. It was funny, right? Because he had him in the office, and they were talking about. He was talking about his business and how, yeah, because he saw the merger go down. Because the merger that they were talking about before he did the glimpse, before he was transported to the pocket universe, they were that was a the merger they was working on. And then when he gets back, when he's in the pocket universe, he can see the merger taking place on TV. He sees the person that he thinks of as his employee, as the president of the company. And he was like, and this guy is like different. Now he's like, bolder and more assertive and then he's like uh that was a merger he was going on so when the other guy shows up the business partner comes in to you know get his uh tires uh replaced he that's when jack goes can talk he talked to him about the merger and what they could have did because uh he can he has all this information because that's what he was working on in his former life and the guy does not give any indication that you know, he's impressed or anything. He just says, okay, just go ahead and deliver my car. And I think that that was his sign that he was impressed, but it was like, yeah, just deliver my car when you're finished. Like that's, that's the only indication that he had uh, listened to Jack about this merger that he had all his knowledge of. And then exactly. uh, when he act, yeah, when he gets to the office, like they confront him. It's like, where did you learn about this? Like, how do you know about all of this? It's like, what, what are you doing? Right. So that, that was, I like that. That was all good. That's what I liked about it, though, too, to be honest with you. I like how the guy plays it off, and then all of a sudden, he's like, you know what, second thought, bring my, bring, you bring my car. Then they have a meeting, and Mince is over there. He's pissed off because he thinks that Jack is trying to get his job. Yes, yes, yes. And, and he goes, and I like how he goes, yeah, this is uh, our meeting area. We usually meet, like, twice a month, and look how nice, and then he goes, okay, let's cut the shit. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Yeah. Now, some, here, here's the thing about the men's character it's sometimes it happens to me especially when i watch an old movies and i saw him i recognized him immediately but it was eating at me because i couldn't immediately place him i had tip of the tongue syndrome i was like where do i know him from what i was like it's bugging me and then so i can't enjoy the movie when i'm trying to figure out who this dude is it's like i gotta i'm gonna figure it out and and then i can go back to watch the movie and then before the end of that scene where they're in a the you know when they're having that meeting i figured it out so that is uh i don't remember the actor's name but he was on one of the better star trek the next generation uh episodes so on star trek he played an alien that liked to collect things and one of the things he wanted to collect was data so um i don't know if i did recognize him because he wasn't wearing glasses and he didn't have a lot of alien makeup on which is why i recognized him and i was like oh is that guy now I can go back to uh, enjoying the movie. So yeah, he was a real corrupt, immoral dude collecting stuff because he act. He's a character actor, so he acted the same way. He had the same mannerisms, and you know the same fidgetiness. He kind of fidgets. The, his the way uh, his 
speech pattern. It was all exactly the same. It was just that he was wearing a suit instead of whatever they wear in Star Trek, right? <laughs> right exactly. But then, uh, I, and also too, Nicholas uh, Jack is actually impressed with them. He goes, "Well, look at you being all spiffy now, and it has yeah. this attitude. It's right? Like, Good for you. Good for right, you. Right. <laughs> yeah, because he's all he's assertive. Because like in a, in his real life, uh, he was not." Like he he wasn't all gung ho about working on Christmas. He wasn't gung ho about that. He has a family. He's basically living the life that Jack is gonna is gonna be thrust upon Jack when uh, the glimpse happen, right? So, but Jack is like, "Come on, we can do this. It's gonna be big. It's gonna be big for all of us." So uh, that that was a he was like the one holdout. But now in the glimpse, he's he is that person. He is that person that Jack was trying to make him out to be it was that that was the creature that he was trying to create but what's interesting is what's interesting is that he's still a family man that meant right so he's got the toys in his office i think the building has a daycare he's still a family man but he's managing to be a family man plus uh, a you know a, a business uh mogul i guess right isn't that the job, the business mogul? I want a business mogul job. That's what, that's what I want. Bring my kids to work, you know, and I have my job at the same time. Have my cake and eat it. I'll, I'm down for that. You right, know? right, right. Have this big, have a place that's basically you can actually have a, a perk of having a place and then they pay for it. You don't have to pay rent. I'm like, yeah, give me some more perks. What else do you have? Right, right, right. But uh, then... Kate winds up telling Jack whenever she does bring her over to their new, supposedly their new place that Jack wants them to live at. Right. She's against it because of the fact that she's, he didn't think about the fact that they'll be pulling the kids out of a school that they know. Right. And think about uh, everything else. And including the fact that yes, she is a, a lawyer, a low, low pro, profile uh, profit lawyer, but she, he didn't think about everybody else's lives. He was only concerned about his life. And when you're a family man, you, it's no longer about you anymore. It's now right. about everybody else that's in your circle. Well, I, I have to say that this is when I, I, I started to not like Kate. Because <laughs> there are several factors where Kate becomes a problem. So <laughs> in this reality, yeah, in this reality, he already gives up everything to stay with her because he goes to London in this reality and he comes right back the next day to be with Kate. Then her father has a heart attack and that, well, actually they, uh, they have an unplanned family. So he starts taking care of the family. They get married. His, uh, her, his father-in-law has a heart attack, takes over a job that he doesn't like. So he basically deferred everything that he ever wanted to be with her. And then he has a chance to get, his former life back. He now he's at a point where he loves his family. He loves Kate. He loves his children. He loves his friends. He he loves the life that was thrust upon him. But now he has a chance to get a taste of his old life. And Kate is saying no because like yeah I get that you know it's something that uh, where that would pull the kids out of school. And yeah, he should have consulted with her first, obviously, but he he was he wanted it to be a surprise. It's like, now we can upgrade our lives. It's like, I know you're a nonprofit lawyer, but you can be a nonprofit lawyer here, just like you're a nonprofit lawyer in New Jersey. It's like, uh, the, the kids that have better school, that they would have, like, uh, we have a better living condition. You know, all these things that he missed from his original life. 
So, and then she's like, she kind of rejects it. She's like, no, because you want to pull our kids out of school that they love. And here's the thing. Her daughter's five. Like five. She's not going to remember that school. She's not going to remember her teachers. She's not going to remember that school. She's not going to remember any of her friends. I don't remember anybody from elementary school. And then again, I was moved from school to school. I had like two elementary schools when I was growing up. Sometimes <laughs> family moves all the time. It's like, yeah, I was going to grow old in that house that we built. And I was like, but come on, people move all the time. All the time. Nobody moves into a house and thinking that's that's it. That's what they're going to say. Like normally when they get a chance, they're like, oh, we can upgrade. Let's leave this old house. Say goodbye to our friends. Go to a new house and make some new friends. But uh, I mean, I understand where she's coming from, but it's it's not been my experiences where people have to stay where, where they are at. That If they get a chance to upgrade and have a better lifestyle, they usually take it. That's why, because uh, he already gave up everything right. before. And now she's asking him to give to you know defer that dream again and th- that's kind of that's when i was like come on i don't like you no more kate i don't destroy <laughs> your dreams <laughs> right later on yeah she steps all in his dreams like oh you you got dreams let me let me stomp that with my feet later on she comes back around it's like okay if you want to go and, and get that job you can go and get that job but it's like now, now you done shit it all. oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to uh no 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 you can you can now you done shit it all over his dreams. Like now he doesn't want to do it no more. <laughs> like she it all she over. Kind of dejected, yeah. right? She was she was still dejected. She's like, oh, you know, he was like, well, well I, I don't want it no more. Now I'm, I guess I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna grow old in this, <laughs> this house when I could. This house that I don't really want. <laughs> right, right. Because what happens is that, and when she does that, it kind of reinforces that need to be where he used to be, uh, instead of accepting where he was at. Right, right. But he was going to do it. He was going to give it up and, and just stay there. And that was the lesson, apparently, that he learned. Because I think soon after that, uh, his daughter starts ringing that bicycle bell. Right. And, and then that's when he knew. Right behind him. <laughs> right. He thought Clarence was right behind him. But uh, no, yeah, he, it was just you're right. I like the way that they did that. Because the bell really was a symbol of Clarence returning, but not in a way that, ooh, excuse me. Not in a way that he thought that it would that Clarence not right. He thought that Cash was just gonna randomly just pop up like a genie and take him away or like on Scrooge, where basically you have to go to Christmas past, come over there and get him. But I I I like that symbol. I said Clarence, like it's a wonderful life. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. We can call him Clarence if we want. Right, right. He's a Clarence (laughs) character. But you know, and then he's realizing, oh snap, my glimpse is up. There's no going back now. I've already achieved everything that I had to achieve within this glimpse. And now I'm having to force myself to get out of this glimpse to go back into the world that I once loved. So well, he doesn't want to go to no destroys. His, well, get this though. He has Kate who destroys his, who shits on his dreams. Then you have cash takes the dream from him that he's supposed to be learning from. He gets that taken away and hoping that Kate will actually accept him in the world that he knows. So right, right. Well, you have two people sitting on him. Yeah, it gets to the point where he he's fully acclimated to this life now. Like his daughter is accepting him as her father now. She's like, "Oh, you're back, right?" Is that they're playing in the snow, and now she, as far as she's concerned, he's back as her father that she thought that was abducted by aliens. Like 
he's fully back. He's fully acclimated to the family. Now, now he don't want to leave. Now he want to stay here. It's like he he done <laughs> did it. He done learned the lesson. And now now it's like he's fully acclimated. He loves his friends. He loves his wife. He loves his crappy house and his crappy job. Now he doesn't want to leave. But Clarence, uh, <laughs> not Clarence, but Cash is like now. Well, now we going. Now we going back. You learn what I sent you here to learn. And man, what was powerful was like when he was when he knew that if he went to sleep that he was not going to wake up where he was. So he sat in a chair and tried to stay awake, looking at his wife for as long as he possibly could until he couldn't stay awake anymore. So that was pretty good. That was a good, that was good right there. And then of course you see cash at first where he winds up getting, where basically you see Jack getting some sand salt and just, just, Hey Jack, what's up? He goes, no, you're not going to take this away from me. <laughs> right, right, right. And then uh, that's, but I do like that, that scene though, that you were mentioning though, where he's looking at his wife for one last time and that one gl- splash of a glimpse, it's can be over with. And he's back over to his, um, his luxury apartment. And then he winds up contacting, uh, contacting Kate. And it turns out it was just all Kate has some of his old stuff. And then he pulls out some old English, le- uh, the English leather uh, cologne. He pulls out a bunch of other stuff that re- resembles his past life whenever he was with Kate. And then he goes on ahead and tries to get, uh, get her back. And she's going to France. And now we're back in the same scenario that we had 13 years ago, 13 years earlier. Right. And now he's begging her to, <laughs> to not get on the plane. Right, he's begging her. He just wants he wants to shoot his shot. It's like before you get on a plane, at least let me shoot, let me shoot my shot. Right. So that's that's what he was doing because he knew that he wouldn't ever see her again once she got on the plane. So it's like take a later plane, go tomorrow. Just let me shoot my shot because we had something special, and he's trying to get that thing back. So he's going to end up living the life that he might have if he had gone back to Kate in the first place. And then they built a life together with him as an investment maker and her as whatever she was doing at the time that he had found her. She had, uh, I can't remember. I think she was still a lawyer, but now she was a a for-profit lawyer. And she was basically, say again? Yeah, she's a uh, for-profit lawyer. Yeah, and she was like a mirror image of him. She was successful. She was uh, alone. She, She wasn't attached to anybody. She basically had like, the same personality as he did, and is and now it's like a, a a flipped version of the glimpse where he's now he's trying to put the glimpse on her, right? <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me. But what if both of them were the glimpse and they didn't even realize they were in the glimpse, though? Right, right, right. So yeah, and that that's an interesting way of of leading the movie, right? So you lead the movie where that instead of like the the glimpse lasting forever, the glimpse actually comes in. And, and then him actually finding Kate and then trying to make a connection. So yeah, that was an interesting way of ending the movie. Right. And then it ends up with them in the airport uh, and just I'm talking and you, and you leave off with a good note of, Hey, they're going to be together. So or they might be together. They, there's a possibility that this, this could work out. Right. But, all, but do you, did you enjoy this movie your first time watching it or what was your initial thoughts on it? Not completely enjoying it. <laughs> it, it <laughs> because can't coast okay. your dreams, right? <laughs> no, not 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 that. It was like the uh it it was the uh where they were doing the um when I realized they were doing 
It's a Wonderful Life slash A Christmas Carol. I was like, oh, I, I don't know if I want to watch this. I got gotcha. you. I don't know if I'm going to like this movie. I know I, I knew I was going to watch it, but I didn't know if I was going to like this movie. And I, I didn't like it that much uh, because in a scenario like that, Jack actually needs to learn a lesson. Like being a family man was not the lesson that he needed to learn. It wasn't like if it was something where uh, he was missing Kate or that there was something in his life that he was missing and he didn't know what, then it would have worked as that type of movie. But there was... Like he told Cash, he didn't need anything. He he wants for nothing. And so that's not something he didn't need a glimpse. And that that was the, the premise of the movie was, was a little shaky to me. And yeah, that that where uh Kate stepped on his dreams, that you know, that that wasn't that wasn't cool either. <laughs> you know what though? It reminds me of this. You know how we all get into that mindset of doing the same thing every day, and we're always saying, living the dream. We're just right, living the right, dream. Right. <laughs> That's what it reminds me right. of. How I mean, you right. keep going doing? We're living the dream. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> but um, this is actually what the critics had to say about it. As a matter of fact, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a fifty-three percent, and then sixty-seven percent for the uh, for the audience score. Yeah, the audience really liked this movie, and yeah. uh, audiences tend to like halfway decent Christmas movies. Uh, so it was like, yeah, it was about where I thought it would be with the audience. It, I was surprised that, well, I understand why the critics gave it a much lower score, probably for the things that I had talked about where Jack didn't want anything or didn't need anything. And it was apparently no lesson to learn that. I think I didn't read any critics reviews, but I, I think that it it would be around there. Well, I do have a couple of critic reviews that I actually pulled from Rotten Tomatoes and Believe it or not, it, they did say that it's predictable. But if it wasn't for the casting choice of having Tia Liani and Nicolas Cage, which saved the film, it would just have been like an average film, which I agree. Yeah. So predictable is not is not a great uh, descriptor of of why somebody doesn't like a movie. Because to tell you well, the truth, we've all seen these. We we've all seen like every movie before. It's just kind of mixed together, and most of the time, movies are supposed to be a little bit predictable. And if it's not predictable in such a way like there are certain tropes that certain movies follow like the action movies follow the action trope and the hero has to triumph over the the bad guy by the end of the movie we know that the hero is going to triumph it's not about uh whether or not he's going to triumph it's how he does it so that we're basically along for a ride like when you go on a roller coaster you know how the roller coaster is going to end it's going to end with you safely stepping you're going to get thrilled you're going to have you know, hopefully you don't have hot palpitations, but you will be thrilled. You'll be excited and screaming, but you know that at the end of that ride, you're going to safely step off the roller coaster. Now, if you're on the roller coaster and your seatbelt becomes unbuckled, now that that's not that's an audience experience. That you do not <laughs> that's want. An experience. Yeah, it's an experience. That's not. It's too many movies out there that they right. try to like. I want to do something that's unpredictable and different, and what they end up doing is they start they loosen the seatbelt on the roller coaster, and the audience mm-hmm. member falls out. And nobody likes that. Nobody likes falling off of a roller coaster. So, yeah. I gotcha. But uh, this is also to Stephen D. Grandis, who from Decent Films. If it were predictable, uh, syrupy, and overlong, The Family Man might still be worth watching for the appealing performances from Leone and Cage. Yeah, they were definitely highlights of the movie. I, I rarely blame the actors for a movie not working. But in this one, they they definitely were better than average when they they 
they acted like they believed in this movie and they loved this movie. And so th- they gave it their all when they performed. And so they they were above average performers in a about an average story that they were thrust into. Most definitely. And I, I enjoy this movie, but it's not one of those movies that I go back and say, you know what? I want to revisit this one for Christmas. It's either the Santa Claus for me or it's Home Alone or it's Die Hard for me. Right, right. You know what? I'm going to add to that list. Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas movie. or what There you go. Christmas story. Yeah, that that was awesome. That was a great Christmas film for like 45 minutes. I'm geeked out for the whole entire ride for that 45 minutes. Right, right. So that was awesome. That was, uh, it was way more than I expected. It gave me a, a new favorite Christmas song. I'm going to add that to the Christmas song rotation. <laughs> it, was <the laughs> first, it was a song that they played at the very beginning. That was, uh, that was pretty awesome. So uh, I'll put that in rotation with A Christmas Story and Elf and uh yeah, that those are definitely uh, worthy Christmas movies. Most definitely. Well, so I do appreciate you being on the show and things like and doing this review with me. Uh, we need to do more. I, I have to say that. Absolutely. I, I'm down for it. Awesome. So that's going to be it as far as the show goes. And thank you again. As always, though, it's a pleasure to have you on my show. I wish you a lot of success with your podcast. You're doing a fantastic job over there. I'm enjoying it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I, I'm i glad that to able to provide some information and entertainment on my end. And I truly enjoy your podcast. I'm thank, thank you. you for inviting me on. I, it's a pleasure being here. You're a great host. You thank have you. a great show. I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. And Guys, have a great and safe Merry Christmas, and I'll see you guys in back on the next one.